Welcome to T1 Bite Size, with five takeaways from the Women's Ironman World Championships in Kona. So just me, Matt, today. No Neil, I'm flying solo. But I thought I'd jump on and give you a few quick takeaways from the Women's Ironman World Champs, which took place in Kona, Hawaii, this previous weekend. Men's race, of course, took place in Nice a few weeks ago. And this is the first time that the men's and women's race has been split in terms of both location and timing. So let's dive straight in. Takeaway number one. The winner was Lucy Charles Barkley, British triathlete, who has finished in second place on four occasions. And really the takeaway there is just what a popular winner Lucy is, both in terms of sort of her social following and the the buzz online, but also her fellow athlete who are towing the line. She just seems to be an extremely popular winner all around, not only for (laughs) having sort of those those four second places, which everyone feels for, but also just in terms of clearly being one of the hardest workers, has a team that really leaves no stone unturned. And also she's dealt with quite a lot in the last few years in terms of injury. So amazing to see her come back and win with such a dominant performance. Number two is her coach, Dan Lorang. So Dan Lorang is also the head coach for the pro cycling team, Bora Hansgrower. And as well as coaching Lucy Charles Barkley, he also coaches uh, Anne Haug, who finished in second place. So got the one-two there. Not only that, but rumour has it he'll also be taking over coaching for Taylor Nib, who finished in fourth position on the day. So uh, sort of a one-two-four for for Dan there. And (laughs) it doesn't get much more impressive than that. Okay, number three. How can we not mention Taylor Nib? So Taylor, for those who don't know, is a 24-year-old American triathlete and uh, predominantly short course until this year, really. She recently qualified for the Paris Olympics, which she'll be doing next year. And she's really only done probably a handful of even half Ironman races, admittedly two of which were world championship wins at that distance. And she decided to sort of jump into this race, sort of five or six weeks of uh, of training. She qualified on the back of one of those 70.3 wins, so she's never done an Ironman before. So, yeah, lining up for your first Ironman in Kona, in those conditions, against probably the strongest field that's ever been put together, not only in women's triathlon, but potentially in any long-course triathlon. And she finished an incredible 8.35, which is just ridiculous. Commentators on, on the Ironman coverage were talking about how amazing she looked on the bike and how she looked to have everything dialed in, and, and I couldn't disagree more. She's an incredible cyclist, but compared to all the other athletes who've got their their super aero positions, aero helmets, all the kind of calf sleeves, all those different things on, Taylor really looked like she was kind of figuring it out for the first time, which is exactly what she was. The room for improvement is enormous, not only in sort of those marginal gains, but obviously in just dedicating herself to an Ironman block. At 24, she's clearly going to be a scary prospect in the full distance going forward. I know it'll be a quick turnaround next year if she does the Paris Olympics, but would love to see her in Nice on that much sort of more technical and and sort of bike-heavy course, and I think she'd be really tremendous on that course. Number four, and maybe a negative one here, is maybe it was just me watching online, but I 
couldn't help but feel the atmosphere was a little bit flat and compare that to Nice where the men's world champs it was there for the first time there was a lot of nervousness as to sort of how it would go and it just seems so much more lively, so much bubblier, so much more well-supported compared to Kona. I wonder if some of that's just the timing with the men's world champs having been a few weeks ago now. We also had the half Ironman world champs just before that. So it kind of feels like Kona's been almost a bit of an afterthought. wonder if that'll happen for the men next year. But also highlighted just how dull that Kona course is. And you're not even allowed to spectate large sections of that course. So really just small pockets of spectators here and there. It gave the whole thing, to my mind at least, a kind of slightly flat, slightly <sighs> underwhelming feeling. And number five, let's not end on a low. So let's concentrate on what an amazingly stacked field this was, as I said earlier. Not just the strongest Ironman field we've seen on the women's side. I'd say probably the strongest Ironman field we've seen on men's or women's side in that there were conceivably between five and ten athletes who could you could really make a case for for winning this before before they started that just goes to show how strong women's long course triathlon is at the moment and also highlights what an amazing performance it was by lucy to win against such a stacked field where if there is any concern it's maybe that some of these women are starting to sort of reach the end of their careers now so the likes of annie haug's uh, 40 I think Daniela Reef is sort of make, making sort of signs that it might be she might be getting towards the end of her career as well. So really hoping that after the Olympics next year we'll see the next crop of athletes sort of come up and uh, and start to compete at the seventy point three and full Ironman distance. So that's it. There are five takeaways from the Women's World Champs. Hope you enjoyed those. And as ever, you can search for T1 Triathlon Podcast on Spotify, Apple Music, all those different podcast servers. Uh, you can also visit T1 Triathlon Podcast on Instagram. And that's the best place to contact us. So if you've got any questions or any subjects you'd like to see us covering in future, that's where you can do that. So I hope to see you soon. Bye-bye.